Hello and welcome to Sobertown. Welcome to the Sobertown podcast. Let's jump on that sober train and a ride right into the incredible, wonderful world of sobriety. In these podcasts, we're going to be talking about addiction and recovery. And today we have I Must. Hello, I Must. How are you? I'm all right, mate. How are you? I am very good. Thank you. You look absolutely marvellous. I must. Thank you. So do you. And uh, I can listen to your English accent all day. That's about all I know. So so anyway, we were going to have a common or another person on here that we both know, a common friend, and his wife got sick. So you are now the number one person to come on to tell your story on this new podcast. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> so, so you are our test subject, I must. Yes. <laughs> and I'm thrilled. Your story is just absolutely marvelous. I'm thrilled that you're here with us and that you're going to tell your story. Thank you. So first, how did you get I must? Um. I don't know. I think sometimes. Surprise you, huh? Yeah, sometimes in life things get sort of put in your lap, don't they? I think I tried a few other handles before I got to I must, like I won't and things like that. And um, that was what led. I I don't know where it came from. It just, but I've got it. There it was. Yeah, I am, I must. I started out with my regular name first with the birth date, and then somebody plugged right into that. I'm like, uh oh, I'm changing this real quick. So, but let's get, let's get on with it and let's talk about, let's talk about I must and uh, kind of maybe how you grew up and start, let's start there. Okay, so I grew up. Oh, I've got I've got brothers and sisters. My my parents split up when I was four. I have um, a stepdad. Um, I've had several stepdads, <laughs> but um, my sister's dad is is my stepdad. Um, I had quite a middle class ish upbringing. I think my mum sort of married well, and I've always done okay. Probably had quite a bit of alcohol around me growing up and stuff but no no sort of trauma to my childhood I would say because of sort of alcoholic situations or anything like that um so you moved you moved when you were young your mom yeah we moved yeah we moved around like when I lived with my dad I think we moved twice and then when my mum split my mum's German which probably a big part of my story. Um, And when she split up with my dad, she went back to Germany for a few months so I can speak fluent German because I was four. Um, I went to kindergarten out there and stuff. Um, And you know, the Germans, they're big drinkers, Oktoberfest and all that. Um, And yeah, and then she married my stepdad. And we, we, we married, we moved quite a lot before I was the age of seven. Um, and then we sort of settled down in London, in Wembley. And you didn't, when you moved there, you said it kind of went kind of downhill, but it's not because you moved there, yeah. right? 
<laughs> it was a nice area until we moved there. But I, just, I'm hoping it didn't. It wasn't a direct result of us moving in. <laughs> so there wasn't really a lot of alcohol when you were younger. No, I don't think so. Um, I, I have memories of when I was a kid and it was my granddad's birthday in Germany. He would always have a big celebration and a big tent in the garden and his friends would come all day and he'd always have a big keg of beer. Um, and it was me and my brother and sister, we'd serve all the friends and we'd we'd pop it up with Coca-Cola and have glasses of beer and Coke ourselves. <laughs> That's just crazy. Coca-Cola and beer. <laughs> yeah, uh, it didn't seem crazy at the time. I don't know if I'd have it. Well, I wouldn't have it now, but... Um, um so yeah i mean alcohol was was there and definitely family occasions um you know my my mum's husband at the time he he liked to drink a lot i think i think there i think there was underlying problems with alcohol but it wasn't a big thing in my face you know but it was always around my dad he, he didn't really drink at all. Not that I, re I remember him having like a beer when he watched the football really occasionally, but it wasn't a thing. Um, maybe a bit more of a pothead. So <laughs> when did you start getting into alcohol? Uh, so I would say I was probably a teenager for sure. Uh, we used to go to the park. It's quite a British thing to go to the park with your friends and drink really cheap alcohol and give yourself alcohol poisoning in a field. <laughs> That's kind of what British teenagers do a lot. Uh, so I did that quite a bit. Um, I remember I remember even one of my friends bringing in a bottle at school that was like a cocktail of things that he pulled out of his mum's cabinet and us drinking that before an exam. <laughs> I was a good student. Uh, so I, I was always a bit naughty. I was a bit of a, I wasn't a big tear away, but I've always had a mouth on me. Um, I used to bunk school a lot. I used to hang out with the cool kids as much as I could. So bunk school for all of us over here, is that skip? Skip school, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have better things to do than have the teachers tell me what to do. So, yeah, I had a mouth on me. I liked to answer back. And, and probably alcohol was a way of being a little bit of a rebel, you know, which appealed to me. Um, so then you got out on your own at a young age too, right? Yeah. So my dad died when I was 16 um, of lung cancer. And me and my mum had a very difficult relationship. My mum... My mum is a really free spirit. <laughs> she was an only child. She's a free spirit. And um, she sort of did what she wanted to do for a lot of my teenage years. And, and it was, there were times it was quite difficult. Um, and after my dad died, I would say, well, we were, we were both grieving, but it was hard. And I left her home when I was 17. Uh, I had uh, a boyfriend, we were both young, it, too immature really to be leaving home and, and doing all that grown up stuff. Um, but yeah, I guess the alcohol sort of crept in. Um, I passed my, my driving license before all of my friends. Um, so for a long time, I used to drive everybody around to all the parties on a Saturday night and I was totally happy not drinking because I was the driver. Um, but somewhere along the way, 
I don't know, that changed a lot of pub drinking and stuff. I, I do want to go back a little bit to because you told me when you were 13. Yeah. So you were saying, when did alcohol come into my life? Yeah, this is right. So my mum being... I think she was more interested a lot of the time in being cool and being my mate than necessarily being my mum. And for my 13th birthday party, 13th, I remember her buying me wine um, and me chasing a boy that I fancied around the garden with a knife. Um, and I still have a little scar. <laughs> so funny. Where I hit it. Yeah. I mean, I look back now and it, Honestly, my son is 13. He's just turned 13. And I just think, what was she thinking? What was she doing? Um, and actually, I remember her taking me to the off-license to buy some wine. And the woman behind the counter being like, you can't buy wine for her. She's a child. And my mom was going, what? what? You know, um, but obviously, <laughs> I didn't think there was anything wrong with it, obviously, because I was brought up around that. But yeah. So now I know why I kept getting my ass kicked when I was young by the girls. They liked me. <laughs> yeah. I thought they hated yeah. me. They liked me. Oh, that's so yeah. funny. So let's let's go back up to where um, you moved out and you you moved with this. You, yeah, you guys, I was just going to tell you something that I didn't think of last time as well on the subject. Of, so our house was quite a party house because my mum was so cool and she wanted to be friends with everybody and everybody was always like, oh my God, your mum's so cool. Um, it ended up being quite a party house. So because of that, you know, you know, I, I drank too much. I, I lost my virginity at 14 in my mum's house with my mum in the house because I was drunk and I don't really remember the whole thing. And so, yeah, to say it wasn't a big thing, it was a big thing. When I look back now, I think if my kids were living like that, I would die <laughs> right so, especially at 14 yeah 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 um so yeah so I left home um I used to drive around um and and in in 90s Britain um it was quite cool for girls to drink all of a sudden you were sort of like we had this whole Brit girl thing going on like you know what do they call them I can't remember but we were we were all one of the lads you know and I could drink pints with the guy I could I could you know chug 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 knock you back in a pint drinking competition without without a doubt um it was never anything to worry about or think about or it, it was it was just yeah yeah um so I met my husband when I was 19 and He's he's a bit older than me, and he was a big pub goer, and it just became part of our lives all the time, you know. So you met him. Yeah. Um. When? How did you meet him? <laughs> well, we went. We went to a mutual friends. We both went to the same concert together, and I thought he was quite dishy, and um, yeah, I just sort of he didn't have a phone at the time, so. I just decided to go around and knock on his front door one day and be like, hi, I've come for a cup of tea. So you kind of, you picked him, huh? Yeah. He couldn't really get rid of me. <laughs> I think, I'm, I think my husband's a very laid back kind of guy. And yeah, I think I had to hit him over the head with the sledgehammer. But I think he thought, Oh, I think she likes me. <laughs> <laughs> 
So then you meet him and then yeah. you guys, your life, you guys were partiers together, the pubs. Yeah, we, we pubbed a lot. I mean, we, we more or less, you know, when we got together, that, that was our life, go down the pub um, after work. I, I've, I've always worked hard considering what a naughty girl I was at school. As soon as I got a job, I've always worked really hard. I'm a hairdresser um, and hairdressers in probably in every country know how to party hard. Um, and we used to do the whole clubbing and raving thing. So we went through, we dabbled with, drugs and stuff for a bit but alcohol has always been they were the kind of things that I grew out of without really too much too much effort really it was just the natural progression to get oh I've had enough of that um and then you got, then you got sick for a while too right yeah um so in 2007 I got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and um that you know, gave me horrible stomach issues. I, I was pregnant with my son. I had two young kids. So there was, a, there was a long time that alcohol, it wasn't a everyday factor in my life and it wasn't um, a big problem then. I think I still had times, especially when my daughter was a baby, I do remember thinking like, oh, maybe I shouldn't drink this much. Like probably on nights when I went out and stuff, like I would still get trashed. I've never had the off button. I've I've always been the girl who gets absolutely trashed. And when I was younger, it would be until I was sick or passed out or, um, you know, just make bad decisions and get myself in trouble. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a constant factor. So um, you got, so you did get over your sickness and then um, you had your first child. Yeah. Well, I had her before the sickness. Oh, you did. Um, so I was fine when she was a baby. And then when I, when I had Aiden, oh, my son, <laughs> then, um, then it all went a bit, a bit pants for a while, but. I would say that alcohol then was not a huge, a huge deal for me. Um, when we used to have family barbecues and parties or Christmas, like I say, I've always gone over the top, but it wasn't uh, every day. Right. But when you did, it was like um, gung ho to the end. And then you got your million stories from when you did drink. Oh Yeah. I mean, I yeah, you, you ask my friends, there's millions of stories trying to pee in washing machines, oh, trying to, yeah. you know, uh, falling asleep on trains when they were trying to slap me around the face and get me off the train before we missed our stop and um, cab drivers checking for my pulse, uh, oh, snogging work colleagues at Christmas parties when I was married with two kids and things like that. I mean, luckily my husband is... A, is a very understanding man um but yeah i've i've got millions of terrible awful stories so then you started drinking heavily like five years ago or so yeah so we moved house from london down to the south coast um 
about five and a half years ago. And it, it was quite difficult because my kids were a bit older. I'm not really a school gate mum. I don't enjoy that side of things. And I felt quite isolated. Um, I had, a, I got a job uh, in a hairdressers that I absolutely hated. Um, and I was just trying to earn money and go to work and fit in. Um, and although I loved my life here, there was, it would, took a lot of adjusting and I started drinking just to be able to go and do tomorrow again. I think I started, I would get like, I mean, you know, I probably before that would drink a bottle of wine a night if, if I needed to, it all probably three, four times a week. And it, that went to drinking at least two bottles of wine, sort of six or seven nights a week. Um, so all the time. your salon is in your house, right? It is now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I spent about three years um, trying to, <laughs> fit in and, and work for other people and getting really, really miserable. And then I built a salon here at home. So I decided I had enough of working for crazy people. So I might as well work for this crazy person instead. <laughs> right. And um, yeah. And then I kind of had this, you know, I didn't even have to really worry about um, driving to work in the morning or a commute or how long it would take me to get home from my first glass of wine. I'd be standing there doing my last couple of clients already mentally pouring my glass. So you started <laughs> drinking heavy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I would say probably it's been a gradual decline over the last five years. But I think when lockdown happened here in England last year, March, um, I'm probably not the only one, but I went off the rails with, I mean, it felt like we were all on horror, on holiday in some sort of um, zombie horror movie. So I kind of, there was no real five o'clock need. Um, I mean, I didn't drink in the morning, but yeah, I mean, it was, the sun came out weirdly here. It was like summer in April and I was drinking a lot. Um, I couldn't really afford to drink that much because I couldn't work. Um, and I was just passing out on the sofa like nearly every night. Uh, I had a few incidents like with my kids when they're sort of, they were 12 and 14 at the time and saying to me things like, hey, mum, do you remember what you were doing last night? Or do you remember what you said? And, you know, or I was waking up with grazes on my arms and my knees and bumps because I'd hit door frames or fell over in the garden. And So were, and you, were you blacking out during this time too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think blacking out basically has been quite a common thing for me on and off for forever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm a big wine drinker, or I was, and um, I get to a point with, particularly with white wine, where my body will go, that's it, stop now, and just off. 
and I will just literally, like I said before, with cab drivers checking for my pulse and stuff. That's a, I, I was actually under orders from my husband the last few years. I wasn't allowed to drink white wine if I wasn't in the house because I just get ridiculous paralytic and then just pass out. I mean, anybody could do anything to me and I wouldn't have any idea. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd had a few instances like that and I was waking up all of the time at three o'clock, two o'clock on the couch, um, crawling my way upstairs, feeling like death, lying in bed thinking, why have I done this again? Um, you know, it was just constant. So then um, you're going through these, you're, you're doing what so many of us do have done too, the th- wake up at 3 a.m., the cold sweats, but then you had to get up and go to work, huh? Yeah, yeah. When I was working, I mean, we all do it, don't we? We drink too much and you lie there. And at, at 6.30, I get up when the kids are at school. Um, and I think but I've you, always you've been up since sleep. three, though. Yeah, been away. Or maybe I fell asleep like 15 minutes before the alarm went off, if, if I was really lucky. <laughs> right. And then... I would always feel like, well, I'm not an alcoholic. I haven't got a problem because I always get up for my kids. I would just literally, as soon as that alarm went off, I don't even press snooze. I would spring out of bed. I'd go downstairs, do the lunches, make the coffee, switch the radio on. And I would just paste this smile on my face and act like I could do it all. Um, And doing, you know, being a hairdresser, working in close proximity with people, I would, you know, be dousing myself in perfume thinking do I smell as bad as I feel <laughs> um you know cutting around people's ears with sharp scissors as I said uh yeah it's, it's so not did you great. stay bubbly through all that I think so I don't know if Cal, well, what know. a hard thing to do because I know I felt like dying and I didn't want to talk to anybody and then you had to go like interact with people yeah um and that that was the worst bit sometimes um yeah and just not being able to like think you know you can't even think talk properly can you and i'd be going oh, but, uh, i'm tripping over my own words I was, I was just probably living in a perpetual state of alcohol one way or the other withdrawal or or <laughs> saturation right either or yeah yeah. So then, you're, how long did you go through this, living like this? I mean, like I said, the last five years were the worst, but I can remember scores, hundreds of times going into work in the old salon. You know, I, I mentioned before, I don't know how many people would want actually want their hair cut on a Saturday morning if they knew what their hairdresser had been up to all, all night, Friday night. Um plenty vodka red bull and and you know but but the last few years like i say it's all reached a crescendo i think i think back then i never used to see a problem with it i think it was just what we all did it was badge of honor i don't think i ever lost a moment worrying about it particularly other than fleeting thoughts here and there um but uh, then you, you had a friend that, um you told your friend that you think you had a problem drinking? Yeah, that that was that was in May. So the beginning of May, 
I messaged a friend that we speak we speak daily and I messaged her and I was just feeling brutally honest that day and I said I drink too much and I can't stop and I don't know what to do or how to you know I, I used to every morning wake up being like right I'm not going to drink today um and then by five o'clock I was already down the shop getting my wine so um I felt powerless I I didn't know how I could win this battle against myself um and she she sent me this link to this app um I am sober to count my days um that that was purely what I went on there for to to find a sobriety counter so that I could start counting up my days um and that, even that didn't didn't really work. Um, so what, but, what would you get a day in, two days in? Yeah, I think I think if I was lucky, three, four, it would be sort of um, just white knuckling it, just trying to hang on and not drink and not drink and just you know until I broke again. Um, every Monday morning, I would say to my husband, "That is it. I'm not going to drink until Friday night. I'm only drinking at the weekends now." And by Tuesday night or Monday night, one of us would have said, oh, should, should we go down the shop, you know? Um, so, yeah, three three days was, like, amazing, but I hardly ever did that. Um, and that's what a lot of people talk about, the uh, willpower, that it's yeah. it, it only lasts for so long because yeah. it's, like, it's like a muscle that um, – just it gets exhausted and gives out and boom you go into zombie mode yeah i wasn't fixing any kind of problem i was just like holding on tooth and nail not to go to the shop <laughs> yeah so then you started dialing in i guess with with the app that you were using right yeah yeah so i found that it had a community side to it uh which i didn't even realize at first at all um I guess, I guess we should say that we're not promoting any apps or websites before we no. go further on. But yeah, this is where you, you started uh, your sobriety app was with this app. Yeah, I mean, there's loads of those those apps out there, isn't there? But yeah. um, that that was the one that I found. But it it had this whole community side and all of these people who understood exactly where I was coming from. Um and yeah, I and I heard so I heard about on there about um, the Annie Grace thirty day alcohol experiment. So mid May, I thought, right, I'm going to do this. I thirty days, I can do thirty days. I said to my husband, I'm doing thirty days, and that's it. And I don't care if you drink or not, I'm doing this. Um, and I did it, and it was wonderful. And it didn't bother me that he carried on drinking, and um, I was like, that's it. Uh, and then basically that was sort of mid-May. I got to 35 days and it was my daughter's birthday. So I gave her the gift of drunk mummy for her birthday. I had been so proud of myself. And I should say probably here is that one of the, the main catalysts, I think, for me to not drink was the fact that when I did that 30 days, my daughter said to me, I, I really like it when you don't drink mum. 
And I said to her, why, why do you like it? And she said, because you listen to me, we have conversations and you remember them. And, oh, the shame that I felt that I hadn't been winging it in front of the kids the way that I thought that I had, that, that they noticed what a drunk I was. Um, and I, well, I don't know what order it all went in now, but um, yeah, so, so my eternal shame, really, I drank on her birthday because, you know, I'd had a kid for 15 years. It was my anniversary as well. Why shouldn't I? It's time to that, celebrate. That, and That little trickster got in your head, huh? Uh, yeah, got in my head. And, um, oh, you could do well, this. It just, you know, it's, it's just birthday, isn't it? <laughs> uh, you deserve so, this. You're a mom. You've been yeah. clean for 30 days. Yeah, you know, you, you did, you've, you've done so well. Do it, do it. Um, so I did it. And then it's my birthday a few days later, and I drank then, and then lockdown was over, and I was back at work, and I was back to more than I did before. Waking up. Um, oh, now you've got a lot of friggin' people that need a haircut, too. Oh, yeah. And like I said before, work hard, party hard. Um, and now I had all this extra stress because you've got lockdown, you know, you've got COVID, you're cleaning all the time. It's just all these other things, people talking about COVID, COVID, COVID all the time. Um, and literally, uh, and I was making up for lost time. You know, I did. I gave my liver a good break for 35 days, so I can afford to take <laughs> a good So you were like rolling out of bed? Lay yeah. there, wake up at three, lay there for a couple hours, roll out of bed and go to work. Yeah. Yeah. As you walk in by the bathroom, just douse yourself with perfume. Yeah. Yeah. And working six days because I had such a big backlog and all of that. I was working so hard. Um, so I just worked all, all day long and then drank the rest of the time and and I just walked around. I look back now and I was walking around in a shaking shell of a human being, really. Um, and that 30 days that you had sober had to have been in your mind. No, I mean, I, lo I loved it when I did it. I, I felt proud and, and so great. And I really wanted to do it again. Um, but I just couldn't. As soon as I picked up that, that bottle, as soon as I did. Um, you were right back where you stopped, huh? All of that hard work was gone yep. um, immediately. And that's all it takes. That's that, that one sip. And, the, you know, alcohol yeah. is patience. 30 days, 30 years, it yeah. doesn't matter. It's patient. It'll yeah. get you to take that I think, um, you know, you, I told myself, and I, I see it over and over again, but, well, I've reset my drinking now. I've, I've got rid of the addiction because I haven't done it for that long. So I've reset and now I'm only going to drink like two glasses of wine or something. Um, the thing that I've realized now is that I've never wanted, when people say, oh, I just want one drink, I've never wanted just one drink. Never. I always have wanted to get smashed out of my tiny face. Back then, when I was a teenager, now I don't want one drink. I want to drink until I pass out. Yeah, I and I totally get that because I'm right there with you. Yeah. yeah. So, but now you're, something drove you to where you want to get off this again. You want to get up, you want to get sober. Yeah. So, I, 
like I've sort of touched on in in this interview, I think I look back at a lot of, a lot of my childhood and probably think that my mum could have done things different or shouldn't have done this and shouldn't have done that. Um, and I spent a lot of years being quite bitter about it and you should have about it. And I had this realisation that my, my, you know, I've got two kids, but my daughter being the eldest and, and being quite close to me, um, her telling me, mum, I really hate you drinking. Uh, I just thought, you know, I, because I was drinking all the time and I knew that she hated it and I'd fallen off that wagon and she knew how different it could be. I then didn't want to be around them at all when I drank because I felt shamed. Um, so I would be in the kitchen, you know, listening to music, whatever, getting messed up on my own in the kitchen or with my husband. And the kids, I'd be shooing them out the room or go watch a film or go do this, or they wouldn't, or they just wouldn't be hanging around me because I was drunk mum. So I suddenly thought to myself, one day they're not going to be kids and you know it's very difficult for me to sit on my high horse looking down my nose at my mum about all the things that she should have done differently and she could have changed um and this is something that I know right now today that she doesn't like and and I know why she doesn't like it I don't like it either so what are you going to do are you going to live your life you know, on your own with your with your bottle of wine in the kitchen, pushing your kids away when they when they actually want to be with you. Um, so this is a major crossroads for you right here with I yeah. mean, where your mom didn't give it to you. Now you're at the crossroads. Are you going to do this for your daughter? Pretty yeah, much. I don't think I realized it at the time that I saw it, that black and white. I think now sort of now I'm. A little bit down the line I can really see it is that it's really important to me really important to me to be the best mum that I can be um, and sometimes it's not just about working hard and giving them shoes and washing their clothes is it it's about the other things that they need you to be um, and I couldn't do that with alcohol so you started thinking about getting sober again? Yeah. So I would say in August, um, I kind of, for me, I geared myself up for it. I kind of thought, right, I'm going to do this again. And I'm not going to do, I kind of went off the rails a little bit in sort of J July, August. And as much as I was drinking loads, I came off the app. I didn't close it, but I just stopped going on it. I stopped reading people's posts. I just thought I can't deal with this right now. And I just, I didn't want, I didn't want to make myself feel guilty for what I wasn't doing. I just was happy going off the rails. And then I kind of thought I'm going to kill myself. If I keep, if I keep drinking like this, you know, my, my husband at the time worked for a supermarket and he used to get um, like 25% discount on things for certain days. And he came home with a couple of boxes of, of, six bottles of wine and 
I was just going in the kitchen, you know, when one was empty, I'd go to the garage and get another one. I wasn't taking any notice because I wasn't going to the shop to buy it. And he said to me one day, have you drunk all of that wine already? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, and I just thought, I can't, there's only so long I'm going to get away with this and then it's going to be too late, you know. Uh, so, I, so yeah, I, I sort of, I, I planned it. I drank all the wine. Um, I gave myself the date of the, the 1st of September. The kids were going back to school and everything. And I did that. And unfortunately, I even still drank again. <laughs> on the, It was our anniversary, our wedding anniversary, a couple of weeks later. And I, I sank two bottles of Prosecco that night. But something had changed in me. I didn't actually really... I didn't enjoy it. I didn't want to really. I kind of did it going through emotion. And then the next day I thought, no, I, in a way, maybe it was a good thing because I really didn't feel like I wanted to do it. Um, and I thought, right, this is it. I'm going to throw myself in head first. And I'm, I, I think I had to shut the door on on the internal argument on, on am I going to do it? Am I not going to do it? I just had to be like, I am not going to drink. Um, and you put your foot down. Yeah. With myself. And I think that that's such a, all of those arguments in your head when you, should I get a drink, you know, opening your mind up to the little trickster, um, you're getting into an internal argument and, and, Arguments can be won by one side or the other. Um, if you don't even have, if you know that I'm not even going to have that argument, I'm not even entertaining the thought. I'm just not doing it. That is huge. Um, yeah. And I listened to Annie Grace, This Naked Mind, at a very wise man's suggestion because I couldn't get on with um, reading the book. And uh, I listened to it instead. And I'd be out walking the dog and I listened to it. And I honestly think that book changed my life because I just, I remember I was still drinking at the time because she says at the beginning, you can still drink and listen to this book. Just don't listen to it when you're drunk. And I thought, oh, good, oh, good. I don't have to give up drinking. I can just listen to it. And I got sort of, I think I was probably about three quarters of the way through. Um, and the 1st of September was a couple of days away. And I thought, that's it. That is it. Um, and I know I did drink again on, on the 12th of September, um, but I, in my head, the, the 1st of September is really when it sort of clicked into place for me, I think. And that, yeah, that's when the click happened. And yeah. bam, something's clicked. This is where yes. it gets exciting. Yes. yes. So yeah. tell us about this. So um, where are we now? So today's chapter is, I think in three days time, I will be six months sober. Yes. Uh, yeah. So life is just so different now. So but different. Let's get back to the day where everything okay. just clicked. Okay. So because, everything just. Yeah. With Danny Grace and, you know, yeah. it's the day after your anniversary yeah. You didn't feel that um, great with the alcohol either when you drank it that night, right? No, I didn't. And I did what Annie Grace suggests. And I filmed myself. Um, oh, shit. 
I didn't I didn't do what she did because she went off and drank a whole bottle of wine on her own and filmed herself the whole time. I just kind of a couple of times during the night went up and had a chat with myself on the camera in the toilet on my own. And um, I haven't actually watched them. I've seen them. You know how your phones will play a video without the volume. I've seen my face in it and I just, I don't need to watch them. I'm not going to delete them yet. Maybe one day I'll go back and die. Um, but I just thought, no, I, I didn't enjoy it. I felt like death the next day. Oh my God. I think when you don't, maybe I felt like that every day or maybe it's having the break um, and seeing the difference, or maybe your body's just like, no, don't do that again. Um, but I felt like so awful the next day. And I thought, like, no, I, I just can't do this anymore. I've got to put everything that I've got into this. So I, I started doing things like running. I did Couch to 5K. There's a running program that you sort of build up your running. I, I should add, I'm um, 42 uh i'm not a tiny lady i'm not massive but um i was i'm definitely ca carrying a couple of extra saddle bags and i got out there and i i ran every morning or every other morning um i found that helped hugely for for me i know it's a bit of a cliche but um the exercise it, the the endorphins and the pride that I felt because there is no way on this earth that I ever would have been able to get out of bed and go for a run before um not not a chance so so being able to do that I felt enormous pride um I I've got cross stitch <laughs> I was I was laughed because I'm not a little old lady but I got a cross stitch project because to me in the evenings I needed something to do with my hands. Um, I needed something that I could concentrate on. That I wouldn't have been able to do when I was drunk. There's no way that I could have done cross stitch with one eye open. Um, and I did that every evening. And actually, whenever I found that I was starting to really crave alcohol, I would get my cross stitch out um, and do that. And, and I've just finished quite a big one at 165 days so um yeah I just I think I changed patterns in my life uh and tried to replace alcohol with other things um and the relationship with my daughter you know it, in England we've been we've been in lockdown again since December full lockdown uh, and we're so much closer now. Like she will just come and sit with me in the evenings and just like cuddle up with me and we watch TV. And I'm not saying that we never cuddled and we never sat with each other before, but I'm present for it all. And she wants to do it with me much more. Um, and it means such a huge amount to me. And your son too. Yeah, my son too. He's, he's built for lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> but, so yeah. I don't not everybody gets to see it um, but I've seen a video of you out <laughs> jumping on a trampoline and your daughter yeah. was filming it from upstairs in the house huh 
Yeah, I sent it to you. Um, so I was out on, my, on the kids' trampoline in the garden, which I'd never never done before, other than stand on it and go, oh, I feel sick and got off again. Um, but I went out there and had a had a little workout on the trampoline and my daughter secretly filmed me through the window with a caption saying, oh my God, my mum has lost it or something. Um, and she sent it to me and she thought it was hilarious. And I thought it was hilarious because like you said, that is not something that ever would have happened before in that respect. I mean, drinking. No, no, no. I mean, you're doing so many more things now that you want to be doing when you're drinking. Yeah. Just things like, you know, if it's a nice evening and the sun is setting, I will say to my daughter, should we go down the beach and watch the sunset? We live about 10 minutes drive from the beach. So, you know, before, the only time I ever saw the sunset at the beach was in the middle of winter when the sun sets at about 10 to four in the afternoon, because there is no way that I would have um, stopped my evenings drinking so that I could go down there and watch the sunset in the summer. You know, it just wouldn't have happened. And, and No, the yeah, drinking just, isolates you, separates yeah. you. Yeah, it really does. And everything in your life is planned around when you can drink, you know? And I remember thinking when, sometimes when my kids would want friends to come over and stay the night and stuff. And I'd think, oh, but then I, I, can't, I can't get trashed with somebody else's kids in the house. And, or if they wanted to go somewhere and stay over, I, to, much to my shame, I did drink lots of times. And you don't even know if they're gonna call you up and need you to come and collect them in the middle of the night or anything, you know? Um, yeah. So life is just so much better now. Yeah, everything is so much easier. Um, and I've, I've said a few times, but I get so much more life for my money now. I Not only do I not spend the weekends sleeping as much as I can um, after being awake half the night, and then starting again really early in the afternoon. You know, really, I probably only had about three hours on a Saturday or Sunday where I actually went out and did anything. Because everything else revolved around either sleeping in late, um, feeling like death, and spending two hours to wake up and drink coffee, and and then starting drinking again. Um, and now. I do exercise. I take the kids out. I go shopping. I take the dog out. I do. I've started doing watercolor paintings. I read books. I do my cross stitch. You know. No, I see you with this. You just ha just have this strong mindset. And then I like another thing that you said, because a lot of people are worried about them asking if they want to drink or not. But you're like turning that around. You're like, why is drink not drinking a problem? Right. That's yeah. how. Yeah. Yeah, I feel, you know, it's, probably, it's not a new thought to people in recovery, I don't think, but I hate the way we're meant, you're made to feel like there's something that's not right because, what, you, you, don't, you don't drink, you can't handle your drink. It's like, hang on a minute, if I was out on a Saturday night getting trashed um, and losing my shoes, as I have done, um, and all that kind of stuff. Nobody would bat an eyelid. They'd all think it was hilarious on Monday morning. Um, but if I say, no, 
I can't, I don't want to drink because I can't say, no, I don't have a stop button. Um, I have a problem with stopping alcohol. Then you get, what, what? You know, um, and I'm I, I'm on a bit of, I don't want to be an alcohol bore, but at the same time, I'm in a little bit of a mission just to be unashamed about it. I think I love that. That's fantastic. There is nothing to be ashamed about by not drinking. So I was thinking about this in the shower the other day. Not that I was thinking about you in the shower, <laughs> but I sometimes, <laughs> right. but sometimes I med, meditate in the shower and don't take that wrong either. I don't know if I'm digging a bigger hole here. <laughs> right. But I was, and I do think a lot in the shower, but um, I saw about the bee, right. Yeah. And you feeding the bee. That is so freaking cool. You carry around that little lock uh, chain, the keychain thing with the beer, bee serum. So if you see a bee down, you can give it, you yeah. can uh, do the respirator thing on, on a bee. So here I'm thinking about, okay, well then she was listening to Annie Grace and the clicking moment must have been the picture plant. Was that a big, like a big thing? Yeah. So, so just to explain, I carry a little key ring that has a vial of sugar syrup in it um, to revive exhausted bees if you find them. And I found one on the path um, yesterday and, and I, I picked this little dude up and gave him some sugar serum and he flew off and I felt like, yeah, I'm saving bees. Um, yeah. The picture plant, I think that that's a massive thing in the Annie Grace book. She talks about how we're all on this sliding scale of how much alcohol we have. Um, and being in my line of work and being a hairdresser, um, before this lockdown, I did talk to quite a lot of my clients. Uh, just, you know, I don't say to everybody, hey, I'm a recovering alcoholic, but um, if we start talking and I'm with people for a few hours, I've said, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I've stopped drinking alcohol. And as soon as you crack that nut with people, you hear so many people say, oh, how much did you, oh, I, I, I drink too much. And oh yeah, I got, and what's that book? And I think that a lot of people feel that they drink too much without wanting to admit it, you know? Um, and I don't, I don't feel any shame in talking about it. I think the more of us that, that speak about it and normalize it and say, well, no, actually I drink too much. Um, and now that I don't drink, I actually feel amazing. You know, my life is better. But it's every friggin' where we turn. They got the Everything. best minds in the world that market this shit to us. And they've got everybody convinced that, Hey, this is what you do. This is makes you sexier makes you more intelligent. You can do just be better. So everybody around you has got this mentality. And then all of a sudden you're, you're like, uh, Igor, if you don't drink and you got this, I mean, this whole leprosy. notion that, that you're boring if you don't drink. I mean, now when I look at drunk people, I think you call me boring. I mean, right. you know, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't had to be around it that much. And, and when I get out in the real world, it, it, it will show, won't it? But uh, I, I actually feel more interesting. <laughs> and you are, and you're really solid right now with um, your sobriety. Yeah, I think, I think the fact that I've just, 
I've come to a point and I know it's a really scary point to come to and I know it's not for everyone and a lot of people you know the the today today one day at a time think about today um and I get that um but I have come to the decision that I'm never going to drink alcohol again um and I think Christmas was really difficult for me it was the 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 most I felt rocked um in in my journey so far in my sober journey because I really felt like I and I even pitched it to my daughter I said to her one day I'm thinking you know I might just drink at Christmas and all the time I knew that you do that and you're dicing with with the devil really aren't you you know like you know what happened last time when you were just gonna drink for the birthday um but still you know and Poppy said to me what why are you going to drink? And I was like, well, um, Nanny's coming. Nanny's going to drink. And she said, do you need alcohol to see Nanny? And I was like, no, yes, no. Um, and I really sort of struggled with it. And I, I, I did reach out on the app and I said, like, I'm, I'm hoping that the fact that I'm telling you all guys this is going to take it away a little bit. Because I always do feel... A problem shared is a problem halved on there. As soon as you say, as soon as you call out that feeling, that little voice, um, I've never, I've never reached out and then gone and drunk anyway. I've, I've ignored that. I've thought, no, if I reach out, then people are going to talk me out of it. So I've purposely not, I've, and just drank, but no, I was like, no. Um, so I said it and I didn't drink at Christmas. And since then, I've just had this euphoric feeling, really, that if I can get through that and I had a good Christmas, I had a great time. You know, I my kids were laughing because I think last year we played Jenga with the bricks. And every time it was my turn, they had to rebuild the tower. <laughs> every single time. Um, and everybody was getting really annoyed with me. And, you know, this year I played... And I was awake till two o'clock in the morning and I had a great time and I didn't need alcohol. And, and I feel like, actually, what do I need that for? I had a good time. Why, why this story that we get sold that we need to have it to have a good time is absolute crap. <laughs> and I think when you get in your mind that it's friggin' poison, there's just yeah. not no. So there's like no choice. It's friggin' poison. What the hell do I want poison for? And that's yeah. kind of how I think. So my closing question is going to be to everybody. Do you, do you, do you romanticize drinking? And if you do, what do you do about it? Um, I, I still get those fleeting thoughts of, um, you know, a nice glass of wine in the garden in the summer and things like that. But but you just have to think about, you know, it's not just a nice glass of wine in the garden, is it? It's the, you play it forward, you think about, well, it's the, also the three o'clock in the morning sweat, it's feeling like crap, it's looking like a big, bloated, yellow-eyed, unhealthy, um, you know, wine bag. I don't want to be like that anymore. I'd, and, and, and my friend said to me recently, can, can you not moderate? Can, can you not? And I said, I tried to moderate for years. 
you know, going back to every Monday morning and every morning, if I could moderate, I would have been able to moderate then and I couldn't. And I've come to the conclusion now that I just can't. So there's no, there's no two ways. So shut it down. You get these thoughts and they hit you. Are you start playing it forward right away? Yeah. 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 Just don't, like I said, if there's no internal argument, then nobody can win that argument. Can they? It's, you know, if you're not going to argue, there's no argument. No. If I've told my kids, no, and that is it. They won't bother. So if I can do that with my kids, I can do that with me. What's no. your with your trickster? Yeah. 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 Go back trickster. in your cage. I don't want to hear your shit. Go yeah. lock yourself up. And it just becomes like sometimes you like a little tiny noise back there, huh? Yeah. Like I said, she's like that bitch that comes knocking on my front door every every now and then saying, do you want to be friends? And I open the door and go, no, because I hate you and slam the door in her face again. <laughs> that is so cool. That is so cool. <laughs> I must. This has been so great doing this interview. I'm, Thank you. And it's our first one. And I'm so grateful for you. Yeah. Yeah. You're uh, <laughs> you are the very first uh, sober town, you're the sober town queen. Wow, what an accolade! Yeah, and, well, uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, and uh, it was very cathartic getting my story out. Yeah, and your story um, is really amazing. And you, in the beginning, I remember when I first talked to you, you're like, "Oh, my story is my story is so boring," you know, but it's not. It's not. And I hope everybody. I hope a lot of, go ahead. A lot of people can just identify with there was no, you know, big thing. But lots of people drink like I drink. I think the majority do. Mm. I think the majority do. And they're, they're locking themselves up in their houses, especially women. I think women, they're the, the uh, people with all the wine, they're marketing women. They even want to yeah. sell you a wine glass holder for the shower. Uh, yeah, they yeah. want you taking the wine and now they have single servings. Yeah. Yeah. All that crap about I'm not drinking alone if there are kids in the house and all of that. I mean, it, what even is that? You know? Yeah. The soccer moms got it in their little water bottles yeah. and they're driving. Who knows who's driving who to the school, right? Yeah, I must. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody jump on the sober town train. <laughs> Let's jump on that sober train and ride. Thank you, I must. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello, Sobertown, and welcome to the Sobertown podcast. Let's jump aboard the sober train and ride into the wonderful world of sobriety. Hi, my name's Polly, and I am doing an off-the-cuff interview with one of my beautiful sober sisters, I must. And what we are doing here is a little bit of a a follow-up to how she feels after sharing her story. Beautiful story, very, very brave, because to put yourself out there is extremely brave. And what I'd like to ask you is how you felt post-storytelling. Hi. Yeah, um, I guess I felt, uh, well, leading up to the the interview and afterwards, I felt um, a lot of adrenaline uh, and... Then it was, it was, yeah, I mean, after I spoke to Drifter, I was 
I was kind of like, oh my God, what did I say? And was it all okay? And and as soon as he released it, I obviously listened to it um, and my awful voice. And uh, like I say, we don't like our own voice. It's like being no. haunted from beyond. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. hearing yourself talk about yourself. Yeah. So as I say, I was, tr- I was trying to listen to it objectively and listen to it through through a new person's ears and, and how, how it sounded, uh, which you, you just can't do anyway. Um, but yeah, for, for 24 hours, I think I was very sort of, ooh, and I had to listen to it. To, there were a couple of friends in the outside world of sobriety that I wondered, did I want to share it with? I'd already kind of decided that I didn't want my immediately my immediate family um to to necessarily know about it I mean if they ever stumble across it that's one thing but I thought there's issues that I talked about in there with with family members that don't really need raking up again so I thought um (laughs) was there anybody else so I did I did share it with a couple of friends um one of which she she just messaged me and was just like, I'm so sad that I never knew any of that about you. I never knew that it was like that. Don't and you think that's uh, the nature of our dependency is that we keep so much of it secret. We put on the mask. The, yeah. You know, we put the mask on. We don't let anybody see. Mm. And we put up a well, false front. Like- yeah, like I said to Drifter, I'd bounce out of bed every day at half past six, pretending to the world and myself like there was nothing going on. And I think I did quite a good job of it. Um, so she had no idea. She had no idea that I drank that much. She had no you idea. Did, you did do a good job of it then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think um, obviously, like some friends, you only see them during the good times don't you weekends here and there over the years and we don't celebrations each other. yeah it's not something that I mean we've been friends since since childhood so but she had no idea and she she just sent me a message going oh my god I just want to give you a big hug I'm so sorry that I didn't know it all and and um how did that make you feel yeah um but yeah I sent it to a couple of friends and they they both were really positive about it and just said it was really amazing really and yeah and then I just started getting messages of, of like my sobriety friends um saying wow 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 and that it helped people and that was quite um were you surprised, surprised by that yeah it was a big surprise I think I'd been so nervous about doing it that I hadn't let myself think about after do you know yes. what I mean? I, I just thought like, if, I, if I concentrated too much on what other people thought of what I was saying, I might have changed <laughs> what I was saying or something. So I, I didn't concentrate on that. I think that it's best not to because um, it's your story. You own that story. Um, and I think if you think, if you overthink things, which is what we are, badly in the habit of doing because it's the it's our nature is we tend to overthink things then it doesn't become natural it becomes very unnatural because Mm. it's like um I don't know if you've ever written a letter gone back looked at it and then gone to it again and thought no I need to change this bit and I need to change that bit 
So by the yeah. time you send the letter or do whatever you've been doing, it is not the original thought. Yeah. And the original thought to me is nearly always the real thought because that's that's the that's the place where it truly comes from deep within is the first part. So no, I, I'm glad you didn't get to overthink what you were going to say because it came across so real. So I, um, I think as well being the, the first one. <laughs> no, I didn't really, <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't know if anyone would listen. Yeah. <laughs> I think we. It's nice to be heard, um, because for many, many of us, well, for all of us, at some point, we've been crying out for help. Mm-hmm. And the fact that your story resonated with people—that was your hand. That was you holding your hand out to someone and saying, yeah. "You can do this. I can. I did it. Yes." It took me a while, but I did it. Mm. And you too yeah. can do it. So effectively telling your story was you holding a hand out to the next person who's still struggling. Emotionally, yeah. did you stay high and full of adrenaline or did you get a bit of a crash? Um, I, I probably sort of a couple of days after was a bit like, oh, like, you know, I don't I don't think it was the next day. I think it was sort of the day after that. I felt just a bit. Um, I mean, there's. I felt I felt quite exposed, um, which I think, you know, on, on the app, I've done some really deep like shares and posts that I wouldn't have sort of advertised and told to other people in real life and um, so so it was funny because a lot of the my friends on the app had heard it and I was like oh my god like everybody knows like everything <laughs> and I did feel a bit except but then on the other hand I thought well all these people know my deepest thoughts and secrets anyway so it's not, it's not really any different it's just I think a lot of people look at the app and we are talking about the I am sober app which you and I yeah. met on because I like you found that app and I found the community extremely supportive extremely helpful um viewing other milestones which is what we we, we celebrate milestones and viewing other milestones way ahead of ours gives us the momentum and we share our deep thoughts on there. We share our feelings. If you're having a good day, a bad day, you know, it, it, it affects you. And what we are starting to learn to do without alcohol is feel. Yeah. So the, the feelings you were feeling after a couple of days after, how, how was that? What? <clears throat> yeah. Um, I, don't, I, I would say, um, I mean, I, I didn't get depressed, but I think it, it it just does make you think about things in the past. Not not everything is a happy thought, is it? So, um, I I I think I think it just makes it all quite real, putting it out there and and telling other people, and that, and that can be a little bit to just sort of mentally chew on, I guess. Um, I think. But at the same time as that, I that was that sort of coincided with some messages coming in from people that honestly brought me to tears. People 
that I know saying you've really opened my eyes and made me think, um, you know, I've been thinking about maybe drinking in the summer and I've decided, you know, for my kids, I'm not going to. And, and a lot of people messaging me about their kids and their relationship with their kids. Cause I know my, my story quite heavily focused on, on me changing for my kids. And yeah, and you, I, you described yourself uh, to your, uh, that you gave your daughter drunk mum. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that that expression alone it resonated with so many people. Um, yeah. And if everything in the background before we got to this point was happy, we wouldn't be at this point. We wouldn't no. be fighting for the life we deserve. And we do deserve it. We deserve a good life. Um, and the one thing we tell each other within these um, communities is to sit with the feelings. Did you manage to sit with them and work your way through those feelings or were you distracted? Yeah. yeah How I did you work through? I mean, I think, I don't, I don't know. I find feelings a lot easier these days without the anxiety. <laughs> um, <laughs> Obviously, you know, I always say I'm full of all the uh, recovery cliches, but even the bad days now really are so much better than bad days before that I I kind of think, you know, when it's hard, um, yeah, I, you know, I'll say to my friends, I'm having a shit day, I, you know, it's a bit hard today, feeling a bit, uh, go for a dog walk I try and do exercise and stuff and I, tr I just try to give myself a bit of TLC when I feel like that not not I mean you know going back to lockdown I'm still in lockdown I have the time to do that at the moment um but yeah I think I was just kind to myself for a few days and just I, I think we need to be kind to ourselves and that's something we never did when we were drinking um, and I'm finding, I'm enjoying being kind to myself because when I'm kind to myself, I get those happy feelings inside, um, walking outside in the fresh air, you know, things I, I used to do it before, but I don't think I truly appreciate it. Yeah. And yeah. I think learning to appreciate and the, the days where you feel like shit, those are normal days because other people who've never drunk have shit days. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. we're becoming, we're becoming normies <laughs> after all these years. That's a dream. I don't, I don't know if I'll ever be normal, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I, there's so much, you know, it's spring at the moment and I am finding so much joy in going out and looking at little flower buds coming out on trees and saving bees and stuff like that. Saving bees and, you know, but, but I'll be out on a walk and a bumblebee flies past and I'm like, oh, yeah. you know, and I don't, I don't, I, I'm not saying that I never appreciated things like that at all before, but I am definitely, I take so much pleasure <laughs> from from things like that at the moment a sunny day or you know a joy yeah. for life I think it's just it's just having pure joy for yeah. every day and the days that we these these days when we wake up we wake up with so much positivity yeah I think Maybe. I think you and 
Polly, we're, we're quite similar in as much as I, I, I'm quite a... I would like to think that I've always been a positive person. Alcohol put a real obstacle in my way of being uh, out with, being happy on the inside, I think. Um, but I don't, you know, yes, we all have shit days, but I, I try to, you know, chew my way through that and, and, and be happy, I, you know, generally. I think you do. You you look for one little thing in the day that will make you smile. Um, and there is so there's so much to make us smile nowadays. Um, I don't know about you. My relationships with everybody. I have a smile on my face when I meet people, and it's it's not a forced smile anymore. It's a genuine smile because I'm genuinely happy to see someone. I look in the mirror now and I'm genuinely happy to see my face because at my age, <laughs> how much longer am I going to see my face in the mirror in the mornings? You know, it's, um... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know exactly what you, and, and I found recently, I don't know, you know, I, I am always on guard because I, I feel so great at the moment that I, I, I do get scared that round the corner is going to be a day where it's going to knock me completely sideways. But, you know, like last night at dinner, my daughter was telling me something about something a teacher had done in school. And I laughed until I had tears streaming down my face, you know, and the kids are looking at me. And I don't think that I ever did things like that before. I don't think I got as much, you know, when I get the giggles or something now, I'm literally like... It's genuine. It's not yeah. forced. And it's true enjoyment Yeah. in in the day-to-day life. And you say maybe you weren't like, you don't remember it from before, but it wasn't in the same way before. Now it's, it, it's a beautiful thing and life is beautiful. And we can we can all regret regret but we cannot change it and all we can do now with our sobriety is move ourselves from today forward yes we've all done things in the past um you touched on that in your story I've also told uh, most of my story on there which blimey that was a long one um but Drifter and I have known each other for quite a while so we're used to talking to each other and some of our conversations go in every direction. And one thing I'm a great believer in is um, signposts, markers on our journey, because um, we do live many lives through our life. Um, childhood, infant, you start with infancy and then you become a toddler. So different mm-hmm. people say it's different stages. I don't think it's it. I think it's different lives because the life I'm living now is not the life I lived in my 40s and 50s and into start of my 60s when I was drinking. Well, uh, so I'm I'm in a different life and a better life. And can I regret the past? No, I can't regret it because I've got, like you, I've got children. Mm. You've got two beautiful children. Um, so, no, there are a lot of things that you don't regret about the past. You can't change it. No. You can I'm, and I, I'm a great believer in, you know, everything that I've done has brought me to today. And I'm happy with today. Um, 
you know, largely there are things that could have been different and made been easier for me along the way. But really, you know, it it was what it was and I am who I am. So this um, is a journey. And like every journey, if you were to go backpacking across Europe or somewhere or India or somewhere like that, every day would be different. And you'd go through days saying, oh, I wish I'd done that one differently. And you learn from it. So you're saying that this you know, there are things that you did that you wish you'd done differently at the start of this because you're well over six months now, which is, you know, over half of a year without an alcoholic drink is, that's awesome. It's amazing. And we, we look in the mirror and we're so amazed at ourselves. We no longer look for the yellow eyeballs. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've got these bright, sparkly eyes. And, and and just, you know, going back to me laughing my head off at dinner last night, um, maybe, you know, just over six months ago, if I'd, if I'd had a giggle attack like that and been drunk, I would have put that down to being to, to the alcohol probably. But actually, I'm, I'm starting to find that life is just as fun. You know, you, you spend a lot of time worrying about, oh, my God, what is life going to be like without alcohol and everybody tells you oh you're boring oh she's not drinking and all that kind of thing and actually it is still fun and probably more so you know because when I laugh like that and I've got tears streaming down my face I know that that is coming from like you say pure happiness you know and also it's it's endorphin releasing you release endorphins as well so once you're happy and you you get those moments like that you get even more happy and yeah. the best part about it is, yes, you might have laughed like that when you were drunk, but you wouldn't have remembered it with the feeling that you have for it right now. Yeah. I mean, relationships, like you, you, you explained, the relationships between your children has got so much better. Do you and Doug talk more, laugh more? Have you come closer since you stopped your drinking, do you think? ways um he he still drinks um mm-hmm. but he definitely now drinks less than than he was when we were both drinking um for a little while he drank more um and I think that might have come from a place that was like oh well she's not drink- I don't have to be the good one now mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know what I mean so yes I know exactly what you mean yeah, so at first when I stopped, I was kind of like scratching my head like, mm, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, just because I've stopped at what does that mean? Because I said to him in the end, because I for so many years, it was a bit of a codependent thing. And I kept saying, Let, let's not drink this week. And then one of us would come. So in the end, I decided that I'm not drinking anymore and I've got to do this. So once I had got to that point, um, Yes, it did bother me sometimes. And yes, it still does bother me sometimes. Every now and then, he like, like just this Saturday gone, I, I was minding my own business, absolutely happy, cooking dinner, opened the fridge, looked at his beers, and I don't drink beer, thankfully, but suddenly I had the wine witch on my shoulder going, oh, oh, that looks nice, doesn't it? And it's Saturday. Oh, you could have some of that. Um, how, did you, and- how did you combat that? What did you do? I I sent a message to my group of friends and said, flipping wine, which has just showed up, bitch. Um, 
you know, and I did my little Hulk smash gif and we we all said, tell her to get lost. And I'm using the nice words. Um, I think we but... use some pretty more <laughs> colourful words than that, though. I mean, yeah. um, I will say, I will mention here on the podcast, um, and gosh, we're chatting away. <laughs> this is nice. Maybe we'll get to the station soon. Um, yeah. We have a sisterhood. We've all been, we are all on the same app to help us with um, our dependency and uh, help and advice from other people has been wonderful. But outside of that, we formed a sisterhood of we're all like-minded people. We, we want a better life. We want to help others along the way. And you've now been at this far along you are starting to reach out to others mm. because as you say you've got friends who are starting to become sober after listening to your story yeah so yeah. you're holding out the hand and you're starting to give back yeah. <clears throat> I think I'm starting to feel like my roots are pretty strongly planted at this precise moment in time. I mean, I'm always on the lookout and careful. I, I'm always worried about what tomorrow will bring um, a little bit in the back of my head. Uh, I don't want her to turn up and twist my arm without me realising um, the wine witch that is. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I'm starting to get to the point where I honestly can't imagine what will, what will rock me to actually pick up a glass and drink it um, because I I'm loving life and I think that once you start being like that other people can see that around you and other people think oh that's that's not bad and you know and and going back to my husband yes we we have got um closer and I think since we've since I've become more vocal about how happy I am now um because at first I just got my head down <laughs> <laughs> just just got my head down. Yeah, I was in. I, I was talking a lot in the app, um, but I didn't really go on about it at home. I just got my head down and just tried not to drink. Um, and I've dealt with myself sort of separately. But now, sort of six months in, I feel a lot more confident. Um, and I and I talk now, you know, and and he knows all my friends on there that I've made and I, and I think the connections that I've made on the app and outside of the app are absolutely key to me finding this strength to know that I'm never going to drink again. Um, I, uh, I think we don't do a lot of forward thinking. That is not anything we can do. So we can only live in the present. Yeah. We know what's... We, most of us know what's going to happen tomorrow. We're going to wake up. We're going to do breakfast. The kids are going to, in your case, the kids are going to go to school. I'm going to take yeah. Hubby and do his stuff. So those are the things we can predict. But it's learning to cope with the unexpected. Um, I'm getting close to 10 months sobriety. And I'm I will be honest the thought of actually putting a drink near to my mouth terrifies me because the 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 strength it takes to come back each time you go back into the bottle 
the strength it takes to climb back out each time is harder and harder. And I personally, I think of all the strength it took me to get to where I am now. And I just really never want to go back mm. to the kind of life that was there. Well, it was no life. There was no life before. So um, did you, would you say that after the um, feedback you got, it gave you um, another focus? Did, would you say it was like a signpost in your journey and it, it, it gave you a fresh focus again on your sobriety? Yes. I think that it's definitely brought my sobriety um well yeah definitely like to the forefront of of my sort of consciousness yeah I mean I've, I've been working hard on it for the last six months um kind of with a view to when lockdown is over and things get back to normal I'm really hoping that I'm strong enough just to go up there out there in the world chin held high and know that um it's not going to be an issue for me um but yes, I think it, it really buoyed me that I've helped people um, and people sort of, ha- yeah, that have been helped by by what I've gone through. I don't want to now fall flat on my face and, and then, you know, I mean, not that it's pressure, but it's it's an added incentive, isn't it? Yes. It's, it's yeah. not- my, my sobriety, nobody else's sobriety hangs on mine. But if if my example helps other people, then that's great. And also know. the fact that people are starting to look up to you and admire you and that kind of thing. It it keeps it helps keep you accountable, is what I, yeah. I always think of it. It keeps you accountable. It's it's crazy because not that long ago I was you know, splashing around, drowning in in those waters, trying to get sober and looking at people who had six months and thinking like, wow, six months, like, wow. And now all of a sudden I'm here and there are people sort of behind me that I'm reaching my hand out to and trying to grab them and and, and pull them to the shore, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Plenty of room in your boat. Plenty of room yeah. in your boat. Come and climb yeah. aboard. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Train, boat, whatever. But yeah, we're well, we're aboard the train, actually. So there's plenty of spaces on this train. Yeah, so... yeah we've got loads of carriages. So, so mm-hmm. yeah, it, it is nice and, and, and it does make me feel good, yeah. yeah. Good. Well, great, but this has been a great chat. We're coming to yeah. the end because my cup is almost empty. Yes. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, like a true grit. My God. <laughs> Someone said to me not long ago, um, I went, as as some people know, I've had issues with an eye. And I went to the doctor and he was telling me what he was going to do. And I said to him that, okay, then if you tell me that my eyesight will not get any worse than it is now, that but that you can't make it any better, I'm okay with that. And he turned around and he said, definitely someone with the cup half full. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll take the cup half full and I'll enjoy each day as it comes along. I must thank you so much for getting back to us and giving us some feedback. This has been great. Yeah, and thank you. Maybe Lovely when you hit you. your yes, maybe when you hit your next big milestone, we'll get you on here. 
and we'll see what's going on. But yeah, this has been absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening to I Must. Such a happy podcast. This is great. So we'll do some more off the cuff. So this is Polly at the station with I Must signing off. We're getting off the train. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye, Bye. I Must.